is truly one of the highlights of all the things that we do. I've encouraged those of you online to film your baptism. You're in another state, you're in another country. Film it, send it to us, and you just might see us, um, see yourself on our screen. So, but send us your baptisms. Uh, 78 people were immersed into Jesus and honeymoon. It's an epic event. It's an emotional event. It's so moving to see this. There's individuals that get baptized. There's married couples that rededicate their lives to Christ and get baptized. There's whole families that get baptized. There's children. And it's just an, it's just an incredible event. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to pray for these people. We're going to pray for them and pray over them. Father, for those that got baptized last Sunday, all 78, bless them. Bless their new life in Christ. Bless their new commitment. Bless them on the next step of their journey. Lord, what else do you have in store for them? There's more. And we just pray that you continue to put your spirit in them and on them and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have a seat. We're in a series called Speak Life. And if you're not careful, you wake up with this every day. Let me show you this very first uh, headline. I took just a day of headlines, took out all the political things, all the racial things, all the financial things, and this is what I was left with, okay? Uh, there wasn't a lot left after that. Uh, however, this is what you wake up to every single day. You wake up with things like the earth will experience a solar storm July 19th, the terrifying consequences that could unfold. Does that give you peace? How about man arrested for throwing alligator through drive-through window? Does that make you want to go through Chick-fil-A this afternoon? Of course, it's closed, so you're good. It's closed. You can't can't go through Chick-fil-A today. Georgia driver rams patrol car during traffic stop in wild dash cam video. Does that bring you peace when you drive on US 19? I don't think so. Twitter must trial set for October in lawsuit over stalled $44 billion takeover. That's just kind of a mess. I don't know what to say about Elon Musk and all that, right? UK breaks record for highest temperatures as Europe sizzles. That's how most of us wake up. The digital app, the digital news, it's the first thing that usually comes to our mind and we are inundated and we are surrounded by this kind of data. How do we know that any of this is true? How do we know that some of it's true? How do we know how much of it's true? Every time someone opens their mouth and shares their opinions with you, how much of that is true? Every time you open your mouth and share your opinion with someone, How much of that is 100% accurate and spot on and true? How how do you know? What if, just what if, you woke up every day to God's headlines? Not the headlines from the digital news, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, the Washington Post. Just, Just what if you actually put yourself in the mindset of the headlines In fact, there's only 7,487 promises from your heavenly Father. What what would God's headlines, what would they look like? God's headlines would go something like this. God comes to earth. Savior of the world visits. Eternal life is promised. Power of spirit in you and on you. 
God inhabits earth. Sin can be taken away. Shame, can, can you just imagine what your life would be like if every single day you were inundated with the 7,487 promises that God has in store for you? All right, I know this is a tall order. I know this sermon series is difficult. I know some of you speak death every single day. You speak words of criticism. You speak words from the news. You repeat what you heard the night before. You repeat what came off social media. I know that. I'm trying to change that. And I know I'm swimming upstream, but nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. And you can wake up every single morning with angst, anxiety, fear, worried about Russia, Putin, recession, worried about Fed. You can worry about, you can worry about everything in your life, or you can realize that God has a bigger future and a brighter future for you. And it only comes by what you put in here. Because whatever's in here comes out of this right here. So everything you speak is what you do believe, but what you do believe may not even be close to being true. How do you know what you're... Just listen to a conversation. You didn't ask for his or her opinion, but they gave it anyway, right? Am I the only one that has those conversations? <laughs> Does anybody just come up to you and start sharing their opinion with you? They do, don't they? How do you, how do you even know if that's right? And then when you, for some reason, decide it's time to speak, and you start sharing what's inside of you, how do you know if you as the sender is right, and how do you know if you as the receiver, how do you know that that's right? And so what, what I'm trying to get you to do is speak the words of Scripture. When somebody starts sharing their opinion with me, I immediately go to the Word of God in my mind. How does that fit? How does that line up? Where is that? Is that true? Is that from God? Is that from the scripture? Does that line up with his word? Or is that just out in left field? And so what I'm trying to do in this series is give you an alternative to your fear and your anxiety and your worry. I'm trying to give you an alternative because all these different news stations, digital media, whatever, it's trying to hook you and trying to scare the gajibis out of you. That's a theological term. <laughs> trying to scare the gajibis out of you so you'll tune in, so that you'll listen, so you'll buy that particular product. Now, I think you should be aware of the world. I study politics. I study economics every single day. I think you should be keenly aware of what's going on. I just think this should drive your life. I just think this is what should be the biggest influence of your life because this never changes. Culture is, time, culture is not timeless. Culture is shifting sand. What happens, this, the, today's headlines will not be tomorrow's headlines. And just go back to a, an old newspaper back in the 19-whatever, and you'll see the headlines. They're not any different. Just circumstances have changed. Just people of power have changed. Nothing's really changed. Yet God has a bigger future and a brighter future for you. So he starts with your faith. He wants your faith to be great. 
Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's what this whole series is about. You every day will choose how you speak. You will speak life to every situation. You will speak death. You will speak life to your marriage. You will speak death to your marriage. You will speak life to your brother. You will speak death to your brother. You will speak life to your friends. You will speak death to your friends. You will speak life to your to your office community, you will speak death to your office community. You will speak life, you will speak death, and everybody gets to choose. And so the psalmist in Psalm 112, he says this. He says, they will have no fear of bad news because their hearts are steadfast. That's the goal of this series. The goal of this series is to make your heart so strong, so secure, so steadfast that you will trust in God. Now, how do you get there? Well, First of all, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says what God's trying to do in your life. He's trying to give you faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God will take you wherever you are, but he will never leave you where you start. God wants to develop faith in you. His goal is that you become a child of of faith, a man of faith, a woman of faith, and it doesn't really matter to him if it's abundance or if it's adversity. He takes both and he works through you to develop in you to be a great person of faith. This is why Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter. What does that mean, the perfecter? He's going to design and develop faith in you. His goal is to create faith in you. His goal is to work in you so that your faith gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Again, he uses adversity or he uses abundance. Both of those are times where God will develop your faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, And consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. Through adversity, Jesus discovered that God was faithful. Through the cross, Jesus discovered again that God was faithful. And Jesus judged God as faithful. And so what God is asking you to do is to judge him faithful. Because of the adversity that you faced over here, and God got you through that, and now you're in this adversity, he wants you to judge him faithful for what he did over there. And now you're over here in a different context, it's a different set of headwinds, it's a different set of issues, but God wants you to judge him faithful because he was faithful here and he was faithful there. And now, maybe, maybe now it's not adversity, maybe now it's just incredible abundance. And so what do you do with the abundance that God has blessed you with? And again, The faithfulness of God reveals to you that it wasn't about you. It was for his kingdom purposes that he blessed you so much. And so let me start with Sarah. You say, Sarah? So in Hebrews chapter 11, she's in that great, well, I I, I don't want to forget this verse. Luke 11, 8 says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? That's what he's trying to do. It's a little bitty verse. When the Son of Man comes back to the earth, Will he find people faithful? Will he find people who put their faith in him? Will he find people who say, I have a robust faith because I'm going to judge that you are faithful? Now, now let me come to Sarah. 
What's so interesting about Sarah is she's in the hall of faith in chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is all this incredible list of these great faithful people, and Sarah is in that. And I want to mention uh, Hebrews 11, verse 11, and then tell you about Sarah. And by faith, Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She considered him faithful who had made the promise. There's 7,487 promises. If you wake up every day and the first thing you do is get on your news app, you will not check the promises of God. And the, the words of this culture and of this world will drive you. He wants to drive you. He drove Sarah. She's 90. Any woman in the room 90 years old right now? Raise your hand if you're 90 in this room. A, a woman. Well, if you're close to that, would you like to be pregnant? <laughs> no, you wouldn't like to be pregnant at 89 or at 91 or 92 or whatever. She's 90, and she judged God faithful. How did she get there? Don't miss the journey. Abraham comes home. He says, Sarah, we're moving. She says, great, I want a bigger house. We're going across the street. He says, no, babe, we're moving. She says, where are we going? He said, I don't know. Well, what do you mean? Did you sell the house? Well, actually, God told me to, to, to leave. What did God say? Well, he said that we're going to leave our house. We're going to leave our people. Babe, I hate to tell you this, but, but we're leaving our country. We're leaving our country. Well, where are we going? Well, I, I really don't know. We're just going to go to the land of Canaan. Abraham, have you been there? No, I haven't, but, but we're going to go there, and God's going to build a great nation through us. Abraham, we don't have children. I know, Sarah, I know, but we're going to put our trust in God. And Sarah leaves her people, her house, her country, and on that journey, the, one of the first things that happens is a famine. Now, Abraham, I don't know why he did this, but he decided that in Egypt, he would tell the Egyptian king that because she was so gorgeous, that she was actually his sister. It was his wife, but he told her, and so all, Abraham left her vulnerable. Abraham did not protect her. Abraham did not keep her safe. She had to trust God as she went into the palace of the king. It's a great story. God delivered her. Then all of a sudden, while they're there, her nephew Lot gets kidnapped, and Lot's family and friends get kidnapped. And Abraham says, Sarah, we're going in. We're going at night. And Abraham takes 318 special force warriors. I love this story. And Abraham goes in, and, and 318 special forces guys, they go in. They defeat the, this, these kings that took over Lot. They bring, do you imagine Sarah being scared? She's going to be a widow. She left her good house. She left her people. She left her country. You see, all along the way, Sarah judged God faithful. And now at 90, it gives her the strength. She was enabled to bear children because she got, she considered. It's the same word for judge. She concluded that God, who made the promise, was faithful. Have you yet judged God to be faithful. In your adversities, 
Are you trying to work all that out on your own, or have you judged him to be faithful? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he is the author, and he is the perfecter of your faith. He will never let you off the hook. All right, so that's Abraham and that's Sarah. Now let's fast forward about over 400 years and we come to a guy named Moses. Moses is now 80. He's out there tending sheep for his father-in-law and the last 40 years have been kind of boring. And all of a sudden there's a bush that's on fire and it won't burn up and he goes over and sees the bush and the bush speaks to him, take off your shoes where you're standing is holy ground and he has an encounter with God. Moses, you're gonna lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses didn't judge God faithful. I don't know what to tell him. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't speak well. And and Moses is arguing with God. It's a great chapter, great passage of scripture. He did not judge God faithful. God's going to get Moses to judge him faithful, but it's going to be a journey. He's probably going to get you there too, but it could be a journey. And so what happens then is all of a sudden you remember those 10 plagues and the people of Israel would see the plagues of gnats and frogs and the blood in the Nile. And and then finally the 10th plague was the, the firstborn male and the firstborn sons and the firstborn of cattle. And now they're leaving. And now as they're leaving, they come to the Red Sea. And now there's a real problem because the Egyptian army's coming behind them and we're trapped. We can't go anywhere. We can't go to the east, the west. We're trapped. And God says, raise your staff. And he raises his staff and the water parts. And two to three million people walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. They go past. He raises his staff. The water comes, drowns the Egyptian army the people of Israel began to see the faithfulness and the provisions of God. There's no food, not a problem. Here comes quail, here comes manna. There's no drink, not a problem. Crack the rock, here comes water. God sees provision, 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 and now here's the test. Just a few days into this journey, it's an 11-day journey from Kadesh Barnea to Canaan. It's 11 days in the journey. And in the 11th day, he sends 10 spies now, I'm sorry, 12 spies now into the land. And these 12 spies, it's the test. And only two of them judged God to be faithful. And the only two people that you know is Caleb and Joshua. You don't even know the names of the other 10 men who went into the country. And these were 12 of the finest. These were the leaders of leaders. 12 men go into the land. All 12 men saw the miracles of God, the provisions of God, the restoration of the people, the healing of the people. Do you know they left Egypt as slaves? They left as millionaires? Do you know they left with clothes that didn't wear out? Do you know the Bible says there was no needy person among them? It's a miracle what happened. Read the story. They plundered the Egyptians. They got gold and silver from all the Egyptians. All the Egyptians gave the slaves millions of dollars. They got clothes that didn't wear out. Not a feeble person was among them. And here's their test. And they said, 10 of them said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. There's giants in the land. This is too big for God. 
This is just, I, know, I know he killed the, the but it's too big. He, he can't do this. Caleb and Joshua are on their knees begging the people to put their faith in God, and they didn't. Will you judge him faithful through your adversities, or does he still have to work on you? Well, Jesus said it well. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? What I've discovered, he's not looking for you to be rich. He's not looking for you to be smart. He's not looking for you to be gifted. He's looking for you to be a man or a woman of faith. He's looking for you to have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. What God is looking from you is to become a great student of faith, a great high schooler of faith, a great college student of faith, an intern of faith, a businesswoman, a businessman, a mom, a dad. He's looking for faith. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Well, he was mad. Numbers chapter 14, he judged them. Numbers 14, he says, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times. See, God just didn't give them one chance. They disobeyed him 10 times. They tested him 10 times. Not one of them will ever enter the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who's treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, God still took care of them. They just didn't get their inheritance. See, God is faithful. Our faithlessness never negates God's faithfulness. God will be faithful whether you're faithful or not. But he has so much more in store. He has so much more in store for you. And so I'm trying to communicate that I think the way to do this is to put that which is his promises, his word, right in front of us right in us, right on us, so we see through the lenses of Scripture and we speak life. That, that's what he's offering to you and to me. Now, full disclosure. When I finally got my mind around this message a few months ago, I had to get on my knees and ask God to forgive me because I didn't see it. I didn't see that the adversities of life were to build faith. I didn't see how he rescued me from this, got me to here, and now I should have had more faith that he was going to get me through this, but I, I, I panicked. I got overwhelmed, like you and like me. And the only thing that's gotten me to where I am today are the promises of God, or it's the word of God. Again, your head's not in the sand. It's not in the sand. You're not an ostrich. But you are a child, you are a son, you are a daughter of the living king, and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you that is trying to do something in you, through you, among you, that's greater than you could ever dream or imagine. Maybe nobody else in your family has faith. He's asking you to be a woman of faith. Nobody else in your family has, he's asking you to be a man of faith. And so how do we do that? I just want to get real practical. I'm going to share with you how I do it. And so what I do is I've got all these verses just listed 
and I listen to them. I read them over and over and over and over again. I'm aware of what's going on in the headlines, but the headlines don't drive me. The Word of God drives me. The promises of God drive me. So I'm just going to be really practical and share with you how some of this works. Let's talk, first of all, about your faith. What are the verses on faith that you want to memorize or you want to write down or read? I don't have my phone with me. On my phone, I have recorded all these passages, and I just listen to them. They're all like five or six minutes apiece. I'm driving from here somewhere. I listen to verses on faith. I listen to verses on finances. I listen to verses. I want to stick with F so you can remember it. Fitness. I listen to verses on family. There's verses on freedom. All these different verses are yours. They drive me. If, if they don't drive me, the headlines of today will drive me. And the headlines of tomorrow will drive me. And I don't want somebody else driving my life. Do you? I don't. So let me, just, let me just give you three in each category. There's many of these. First of all, let's talk about faith. Let's just look at faith. This is just one. I'm going to give you three. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. That's a promise. If I've given my life to Jesus, the world cannot overcome me. Doesn't mean there's not adversity. Doesn't mean there's not loss. Doesn't mean there's not betrayal. Doesn't mean there's not divorce. Doesn't mean there's not death. Doesn't mean, but I will overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, my faith in Christ. Here's another one. You not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Why would I ever let somebody else drive my life than the will and the word of God? That's my confidence. Let me just give you a third one. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you. I want to wake up with hope. I want to wake up with joy. I want to wake up with peace. I don't want to wake up with anxiety and worry and fret, and what are we going to do, and how's God going to solve this? God, do you know there's giants in the land? God, do you know that there's this going on in, in, in Washington? God, do you know that this is going on in Russia? God, where are you? God, do you not? No, 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 no. I'm going to wake up with joy and peace. God, fill me. Fill me with joy and peace. Fill me with joy and peace. As you what? Trust in him. What does that mean? I judge you faithful. Sarah judged him faithful. Caleb and Joshua judged him faithful. Ten of the greatest spiritual leaders that went in with the 12 didn't judge him faithful. That's the faith. Let's look at another category. Let's talk about family. Family's dear to your hearts. Joshua 24, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I say that verse every morning. Every single morning before you got out of bed, I would say that verse, or I would listen to that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're putting it out there in the atmosphere. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're speaking prophetically to the future. As for me and my house, you're speaking life. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your strength, the Shema. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Why are they to be on your hearts? Because whatever's in your heart comes out of your what? Comes out of your mouth. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. We are to impress upon nieces and nephews and children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren the promises and the truth of God. Daniel chapter 4 says, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I want to encourage you to stop thinking of the next 50 years and think of the next 500. Have a 500-year vision. Generation to generation to generation to generation. Every day, we are committed to pray for great, great, great grandchildren that we will never meet this side of heaven. Well, let's talk about finances. By the way, there's more verses on money, finances, than any other topic in the entire Bible. I think that's incredulous. There's 2,352 verses, 2,352 verses just on money in the Bible, more than anything else. God and Jesus talk more about money in the Bible than they do heaven and hell, prayer and faith together. It's incredible. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses, Deuteronomy 8.18. This is one you need to memorize. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirm his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. He says, remember the Lord your God. Why? Why remember the Lord your God? Because he gave you gifts, he gave you talents, he gave you skills, he gave you windows of opportunities. It was God who made you good with numbers. You may have developed it. It was God who made you really good with leadership. You may have worked hard at it. It was God who made you a really good teacher. You may have studied and worked hard at becoming a great teacher. It was God who gave you windows of opportunities. Some of you are just so good with your hands. I'm envious of those of you that are so, you can fix anything. You can do anything with your hands. Who gave you that gift? He says, remember the Lord your God. Because it is he who gave you the what? The ability to produce wealth. He gave you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirm his covenant. Now, what does that mean? So confirm his covenant. It means it's not about you. You're a part of the covenant. There's covenant work to do. Every once in a while, I'm, I'm with somebody and they kind of play church. I meet them somewhere outside of our connection. And, and um, I've heard enough of their bragging for the next last hour. I've been at the table with them. They've bragged about how great they are and how smart they are, and how rich they are, and how gifted they are. And I've, 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 I've listened for about an hour. And in my unsanctified sense of humor, I ask them, I say, tell me why God's blessed you so much. You've just told me the last hour how much God's blessed you. So, so why do you think, and I know he has no clue, why do you think God has blessed you so much? 
and he stutters and he stammers, he backs up, doesn't know what to say. Because you see, God gave you the ability and you've stolen his glory. God gave you the gifts and the opportunities and you stole his glory. You made it about you. It's never about you. To confirm the words of his covenant. He gave you these abilities so that you would be a part of the covenant. It's the words of prophecy to G, about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. He blessed you so much so you'd be a part of the covenant. And, he would, and you would establish faith in him and you would judge him faithful. And you would judge to be a part of what he's doing. We still end up being friends, but they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. It's right there in Deuteronomy 8.18. Malachi 3 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will be not enough room to to enjoy it. I, I, I tell the Lord all the time, I'm a tither. You know what tithing says? Tithing says, I believe you live. You know what communion says? Communion says, I believe you're coming again. Now, the only reason you would not be a tither is because you don't believe he lives. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8 says, he lives. Your tithe declares he lives. Communion says, I am declaring that he is coming again. That's what we do. Every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we, do, we proclaim his death until he comes. Luke chapter 6 says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. We pour it in your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Oh, there's just three. There's 2,352 verses on money. One of my favorites is Psalm 37, 25. It says, God delights in your prosperity. Let's talk about fitness. Third John chapter 1, verse 2 says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. I pray for good health. I pray to be healthy. I pray to be strong and healthy. For God does not give us the Spirit... I'm sorry. The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and sound mind. I memorize it a little bit different. When I memorize it, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. I repeat that over and over and over again, sometimes in the middle of the night. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. These, These are just three on your fitness. You see, you can wake up every day with the headlines of the world, or you can wake up every day and put in front of you scriptures on your family, on your faith, on your finances. Let's talk about your future real quickly. Jeremiah chapter 30 says this, but I will restore to you health and heal your wounds, declared the Lord. That one kind of goes with either one of those, doesn't it? For I know the plans I have for you. This is about your future. 
Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I would, I would say that out loud over and over and over again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Man, I know I'm asking you to change your habits. I know I'm asking you to change how you think. I know I'm asking for the Word of God to be in you, on you, and in front of you instead of social media, instead of all the material from the world. I get that. But the faithfulness of God wants to produce more in you. Look at this last slide. The faithfulness of God is producing more faith in me. I want that to be your goal. The faithfulness of God, whether it's adversity today or whether it's abundance today, God is faithful. God has blessed me. God's going to take care of me. God's going to guide me. God's going to enlighten me. God's going to show me. God's going to help me. Everything in my life is designed to judge him faithful. Will you judge him faithful? It's a tall order, isn't it? It's a different way to live. Now, you can choose to keep doing what you're doing. Wring your hands, be fretful, or the power of God comes inside of you because his word is inside of you. And the most powerful force I know of is the word of God. Because whenever God spoke, galaxies were created. God opens his mouth and there's light and there's life and there's man and there's woman and there's God, God speaks. And so this, this inside of you will enable you to speak life. Let me pray for you. Stand up with me. I think the first decision for some of you is to speak him as your savior. I'm going to accept you as my savior. I'm going to start that whole process and that journey of walking with you. And if, if that's you today, that's a really, that's your first step. Not what I talked about today. This is your first step. It's, it's giving your life to Christ. Jesus, I give my life to you. But then it's this journey of will you judge him faithful? He's been faithful in the past. It enabled a woman named Sarah at age 90 to bear a child. It enabled Caleb and Joshua to rise up and say, I put all my faith and all my trust in God. You are our father and you want us to put our faith in you. Lord, I'm not naive to difficulties and challenges. I'm not, I'm not ignorant of pain and problems. But you're bigger than all that. You're the answer. You're the solution. You're the guide. You're the one that can grant peace in the midst of pain. And so we come before you today and we say, Father, 
may we put your word in us. Whatever category is important to us, may we just keep remembering your promises on your faithfulness, your promises over our family, your promises over our finances, your promises, Lord, over our future. We come to you and say, you're the author and the perfecter of our faith. And Lord, we surrender and we repent. We repent when we've not judged you faithful. We repent when we've judged you to be asleep at the wheel or, or, or not having the strength or the ability or, or that you didn't care. We repent. We repent, Jesus. We repent. And we put our faith in you today. We yield our hearts and our lives to you today. And may that transfer, Lord, into how we speak. Give us your words and your spirit to speak life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. God bless you.